uh, Blake, did you get the memo? Yeah, I, I sure did. I've got it right here, and uh, it won't be a problem again. I read the memo. I'm going to make sure you get another copy of that memo, the paper clinic memo. Brought to you by your hosts, Blake Stewart and Desiree Stewart. Coming at you from the Space Coast Podcast Studios, located in the Paper Clinic. The Paper Clinic Memo. And we're back. It is Monday, October... What's today's date? Anybody? What is it? The 15th. The 15th. It's October 15th. Monday. The day of, of, open, of enrollment. open enrollment. And if you forgot, this is a really good reminder. Monday, October 15th, 2018 open enrollment season last week was crazy for the paper clinic i think we hosted three big events didn't we blake we did so we had twerk on tuesday if you missed it there was a lot of twerking to be had you should have been here and then thursday we had vr voices vr means business in the office it was a fantastic that was a huge success yeah we made some really good connections and (coughs) we're really thankful for jill Gaines for letting us be the host of that event and everybody who came thank you for coming and then um some of you may not know we are rotarians and i kind of stepped in and saved the president-elect training seminar one (laughs) for our district so we had um 40 really influential business owners that kind of filled our space here to learn about leading our future clubs so i was swamped i slept much of yesterday you did it was glorious for both of us (laughs) (laughs) dinosaur jr (laughs) see and there was none of that that was to be had that day either (laughs) so would you like to introduce our very special guest that was a uh large feature of two of the three events i would so our next guest she found us when the paper clinic was really just a idea. We were in our infancy. You really didn't know what was going on. There's a lot of random furniture <laughs> in our open space, and you just see like two. I was still in an open open office. You were. I was in an open office when you came by the first time. Yeah, disheveled, yelling, at, yelling right? at my paralegal. Yes, <laughs> my shipmate. <laughs> and we, we were in our gym clothes most of the time because when you came to visit us to get tours, because we were still. <clears throat> You know, rearranging a lot of furniture, taking out a lot of trash, putting some sweat equity in in between our contracts and business law that we also do in the office. But I could visualize the dream. You did. You envisioned with us. And then you became a, part a, of a you. fantabular member. Yes. Here. Now we're all family. Yes. La familia de paper clinic. <laughs> 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 so. Your actual response was. Hella cool. Oh, is that right? <laughs> it was. H-E-L-L-A. But, so one of our most prima members of La Familia de Paper Cleaning. <laughs> that's right. La Familia de Paper Cleaning. For all you non-Spanish speakers out there, that's the Paper Clinic family. <laughs> we have Dominique Culpepper, and she is with DC Prince Magazine. Yes. And you have a lot of passions for this magazine and really it brings all of your passions together in one place where you can connect people to all the great things that you do 
with the insurance side, with the health side, beauty side, pharmaceutical side. Mm -hmm. um, so you have, is it two or three master's degrees? Um, just time. two. Just two. Only two. Only two. I, yeah, just two. So I was I was hoping the next time it would be an actual either JD or Don't do PhD. it. Don't do it. So, <laughs> don't you do but it. But it has to be a doctorate level because I'm not doing three masters. I'm not doing that. But that's a lot of education. And you spread it out against all of the Florida colleges because Florida State was one of your masters. UF was one of your masters. Right, and then my undergrad came from uh, FAMU. Yes. So, M, yeah. so, so now you're just going to have to find something more South Florida. For Well, I was looking at UM's law school, and there's a law school out by U USF. Um, I forget what it's called. St. It's Thomas like University. Yes, that's it. That's where I went. So, oh, did you? Yeah, that's St. Thomas University. But no, that's not by USF. That's by Miami. Eh, no, nah, it's kind of close to USF. USF is in Tampa. That's like a couple hundred. Oh, no. You're talking. You're not talking about USF because they don't no, have a law school. No, you're not. talking about FIU, Florida no, International. No, 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 no. The one I'm talking about is. The one your brother went to, the it's, med school. It's out that way, but I think it's more um, It's more toward. Um, oh, I do um, know which one you're talking about. You know what about. I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like out. It's a satellite location. What's it called? We don't know. But. Your brother went there. <laughs> no, For goodness sake. I know what you're talking about. It's on the West Coast, and it's a fairly new law school. Yeah. It's private, too. Yeah, and, and it's not, <clears> the main <throat> location is not there. It's it's a it's, satellite. It's by Delane. It's no, 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 no. not by the Delane. No, no, no. No, 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 that's where the main one is. I know, we'll talk about no, this. No, no, it's not. Are you sure? I'm sure. It's an out-of-state school, but it has a, a satellite location out west. One of my exes used to be a professor somewhere. of law there. When it opened, like she's one of the first law professors. Yeah, so we'll we'll figure out the name. I have it in my <laughs> LSAC, you know, account, blah blah, whatever. But you know, I don't know. Oh, but it won't right be a third master's. I can assure you that. So don't go to. Why would you go to law school? You got all that. Ma oh, you should definitely go to law school. I know. You should definitely go to law school. Well, one of the law schools offered me an opportunity to, um, to take their what was it, health administration, legal something, another something certificate and mm -hmm. I was like okay so do those credits transfer to the law curriculum and the answer was no That's nothing transfers and and they say but we but we look fondly upon those who complete the certificate program I was like yeah but that's not a transfer yeah, yeah you don't need it. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how it goes but um but basically I used the United States Navy to springboard into civilian sector so since I got my medical um, assistant training and my farm tech training in the Navy, then I springboard into civilian um, life and continue to work in hospitals on the inpatient side. I prefer that. Accelerate your life. <laughs> Accelerate my life. Yes, I like that. That's going to be one of my new slogans. Accelerate your life. Well, that was the Navy slogan, right? <laughs> it was the guy from They Live. It was um, it was Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> And the guy um, that did the Navy commercials. The I don't remember. I was too busy making sure my contract was squared away. Where were you when I needed you? Um, probably in law school. Probably in law school. <laughs> but it, it turned Stetson. out. No, I know was, what Stetson, was Stetson is. No, no, no. no. Stetson I'll is in Deland, and I can assure I'm you. I'm still racking my brain. <laughs> I can assure you I will not be going to school in Deland. For Their law school is on the coast, though. You're missing the point. 
No, 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 no. Listen, that's ridiculous. To land is not like that. Anyway. Still missing the point. But anyway. <laughs> it's all right. So, basically, springboard into civilian life, health information management, medical records, medical billing, medical coding, patient rights, um, you know, all things medical records. So, medical billing fraud, auditing, all that stuff. And then, at the time, there was no master's degree in like health administration so when I got to FSU I tried to make a health administration degree out of my MPA because it was a public administration you know program and here I come with this health information management baccalaureate degree from Florida A&M so um so all my electives were health policy and um so I still felt like something was missing. I, I felt, I don't know, incomplete. And so I was on LinkedIn one day, you know, networking and whatnot. And this ad popped up, Pharmaceutical Outcomes and Policy. And I said, that's it. What was it called? Pharmaceutical Outcomes and Policy. Oh. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's very specific. That's very specific, yes. So when I saw that, I knew, I knew that was it. You ever, you ever meet some, meet somebody, or you, you find something, and you're like, this is what I've been looking for. That's how I felt when I saw the ad for UF's pharmaceutical <laughs> outcomes and policy <laughs> program. I was like, that's it. So, so went through that. I had to pause for a second to have Prince, the Prince of DC Prince, right? So I had to pause for a second, and then I finally finished that. And so the plan was DEA. DEA drug diversion on the pharmaceutical side because I'm not, you know, going out into combat, you know. I'm not doing that. I already had my opportunity. <clears throat> Didn't like it. So I'm sticking to the pharmacy regulation side of things. Indoors. <laughs> this yes. job. Well, you did That's all right. right. That's right. Yeah. I think I did okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I meant with the combat. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so I dodged that bullet. No pun intended. Do you have a rim shot in there? <laughs> well, you know, I was locked in the pharmacy all day. You know, we had the combination door locks, mm -hmm. you know, and so you couldn't get in. And I couldn't get out unless I, you know. Locked in a pharmacy all day. Yeah. Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the possibilities, yeah. The stories. The stories. Oh, <laughs> do I have some? Yeah. But excellent training, excellent training. So um, I chose that route because I love, I love and I'm fascinated with the pharmaceutical industry. And I'm even more fascinated with knowing the outcomes of pharmaceutical products. So I enjoy researching these drugs to find out whether they're efficacious or not. And if you'd like to know what efficacious means, <laughs> it is a real word. Dominique, um, actually, at our last Twerk on Tuesday, we thought it was important that Dominique be the, the key, one of the featured speakers because it is, of course, open enrollment. And that was by far, A, the best insurance talk that I had ever been to because normally sitting through insurance talk involves a lot of drooling, <laughs> a lot of early leaving, and B, it was the first time, I think, in my life that I understood how health insurance worked. 
Oh, wow. So, and... Thank you. I believe the video transcript is uh, is going to be available soon. Is or will be one of the two. Great. But we we taped it. It's amazing. Um, it is open enrollment. It's totally free. Um, she donated her time and her extensive knowledge and experience that she paid a lot of well that the well that she earned through that her earned. service in the U.S. Navy. But mm-hmm. if you didn't understand how insurance worked or you have questions about open enrollment. Um, it's really tremendous. We're going to put a link to it uh, in in this video when it's finished. And of course, you can find it. You'll be able to find it on our Paper Clinic Facebook. But it's really phenomenal. So great, check it out. Great. I'm so glad I was able to make sense of all the jargon. I can't believe that you know that much about medical billing, <laughs> because because and let me tell you. Let me switch gears. Let me tell you a very personal story. Um, <clears throat> which I feel like I share with a lot of Americans, like millions of Americans. Like, I can't tell you how many of us have health insurance, and then we have to use it, and we go to the hospital, and then all of a sudden we're getting collection calls for the next five years because it's like, oh, well, you owe you owe us $18,000. And it's like, well, how could I owe $18,000? I have health insurance. And honestly, you may not owe $18,000, but you may not have an understanding of how your insurance works. Maybe your insurance didn't behave properly. Go ahead. That was my ringtone. Oh. Oh. I was like, I was like, oh, where is this serenading music coming from? Are we going to break soon? I I thought we were in an elevator for a second. Yeah, I was like. Sorry about that. That's my other cell phone in my purse. (laughs) 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 But go on, go on, go on. um, But yeah, I mean, like at one point in time, I was, I I was like 14,000 in debt. Mm-hmm over medical bills that were 90% insured. Mm -hmm. And after your presentation, I called up the ambulance company that Ah! sent me to collections in 2014 and told them exactly what I thought of it. And then Mm -hmm. I started reading medical codes off. Ah. I haven't heard from them since. Is that right? This is me hanging up the phone (laughs) forever. I'm so glad I could assist. In fact, if there are any of you listening who um, has a similar story and you can't figure out why you're getting these collection calls and you and you need some interpretation or assistance in, in deciphering your medical bills, give me a call. I'll help you out. Um, <clears throat> this show is produced by Vanna White. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Vanna, are we on Facebook Live right now? Uh, we sure are. The Paper Clinic memo, or the Paper Clinic, rather, Facebook page is on there. So Well, if any of you out there are watching, know anybody that have questions about that, um, why don't Chime you call in. the show? You can respond, or you could, do you want to do you want to give out your cell phone number? Um, sure. It's are you sure? Code. Are you I'm sure? sure? It's on my business no card. Going back. It's on my business it's on your card. Business it's right card. there. Let's get it. Three two one. Blam. Three four five six three zero three. We can get you through some medical billing questions. That's right. And you don't have to tell us your names. We don't need your name. Just call us up. Let us know what code you got, what really happened at the doctor's office, so we can figure out if it was a legitimate bill or not. After the break. See you soon.
Hey, make sure you check out Space Cowboy Justice Space Cowboy your Justice. hosts, Cowboy Blake Stewart Justice. and Paul Daly. We're going to be talking about interesting legal issues in the entertainment industry and everything geek. If you're into Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, comic books, we're talking about it. Coming at you from the Space Coast Podcast Studios. Jesse, have you ever wondered, what is the best way to interview applicants for your open position so you have the best chance of hiring a keeper? All the time. Well, I talk to managers every day, Jesse, that use their gut instinct to make a hire. Sometimes that works out, but more times than not, it can lead to a bad hire. Replacing a poor hire can be expensive and hurt morale. One of our most popular service offerings at HR Office Savers is teaching employers how to be better interviewers. Improved interviewing techniques lead to better hiring, which leads to better employee retention, which leads to less turnover and more profit. Contact me today to find out how you can learn to be a better interviewer. I can be reached online at www.hrofficesavers.com or by phone 928-308-4506. Again, that's 928-308-4506. You're listening to the Space Coast Podcast Network. If you'd like to be featured as a guest or sponsor or even host your own show, please email us at spacecoastpodcast at hotmail.com. That is spacecoastpodcast at hotmail.com. Space Coast Podcast. Talk hard. You're listening to The Memo with the Paper Clinic host Blake and Desiree with guest Dominique Culpepper talking about insurance. Um, so Blake was kind of telling you about his insurance nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, you know, um, people are going through these days, and I'm a mediator at the courthouse, um, and I help settle small claims disputes, and a lot of them are health insurance bills, or their debts that were incurred because of health problems. Sure. Um, and another thing that I just, I'm a jack of all trades. Another thing that I used to be a manager for a medical company doing majority of their billing and their coding. And, you know, I was even the suspect or the victim of a fraud, fraudulent, like medical, medical billing. fraud, yeah. Yeah. I went in, I think at that point in time I was a, 22 years old so it was way before I met Blake Mm -hmm. and had gone in for a well visit like with my primary care doctor both my parents you know suffer from you know pre-diabetes and hypertension I just wanted to make sure I went in because it's supposed to be free right Right. Mm -hmm. for just the well visit Mm -hmm. well I go in and you know he spent less than five minutes with me, kind of like asking, you know, about my family Strike history. One, because Doc is supposed to spend a minimum of eight minutes per 15 minutes Ooh. of billing. I'm not going to call you out, Doc, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and but on top of that, like, he didn't just bill me like a level one or preventative, you know, visit. 
level five, which is the highest of all the levels, sick visit. And then on top Mm. of that, all of the diagnoses that were associated with the visit were anxiety, depression, diabetes, hypertension, all the bad things that would make your premium go up. Right. You know, and it wasn't that I had those things. I was worried about those things. Maybe anxiety should have belonged on there. But, you know, it was pre-anxiety. Is that a thing? Or is that just called life? That's (laughs) probably called life. Because I don't recall seeing a pre-anxiety ICD code. But, you know, I'll check the ICD-10 again. Maybe (laughs) I missed something. But um, I haven't seen a pre-anxiety. So, But a lot of people, you know, you have the right to call your doctor and be like hey you Mm -hmm. didn't talk about this stuff with me or you spent five minutes with me ain't no way you're charging me a level five visit well that would have been at least 25 minutes just one-on-one with me talking Mm -hmm. about my issues if it was indeed a level five sick visit and luckily i needed to go to the office manager and fight and will my way to getting that corrected yeah but i feel like you know but that also took me i think a period of eight months to work out. Playing phone tag, demanding things be done, where I think the average citizen would just be like, well, it because is Because they what don't it know is. better, right, because they don't know better. And um, under HIPAA, there's a patient right called um, the right to request an amendment, and that, that is what you would have used to, uh, to put in writing that you don't agree with the diagnosis, you don't agree that you should have been um, billed for those services because um, it would have been ad- inadequate. No, thank you. It would have been inadequate for what actually took place. So under the President Obama administration, there was what they call a RAC um, incorporated, and um, RAC stands for Recovery Audit Contractors. And so they're geographically assigned according to your region. And um, so the RAC auditors, they go in to hospitals and doctor's offices and they call them ahead of time and say, hey, you know, we're coming on October 15th and we expect you to have 120 records ready for us. And they'll go through and they'll comb through those records and they're going to check the diagnoses, they're going to check the documentation that is supposed to be in the patient's records and they're going to line it up with the EOB or the explanation of benefits which explains which services were provided and at what rates. So ultimately, any monies that were paid to the physician, if the paperwork doesn't add up and he owes money or she owes money, then they got to pay back. Those audits are brutal, too. I remember my first day as an office manager, somebody showed up. (laughs) Unannounced and be like, I'm here for an audit. And I'm like, uh, what? Oh, you're here for what? <laughs> yeah. They're like, we need all these charts and a computer mm-hmm. ASAP, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you have to comply. You have so to comply. They're like the yeah. Borg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they will infiltrate and they will look at all your data. That's right. So. And you better be ready and be nice. <laughs> yes, yes. I and always nice. offer them coffee, water. Mm-hmm. What do you need? I'll yes. do whatever you want. So. Yes, be nice and cooperative. I had yeah. to you know, part ways with the client. I was a medical billing consultant for a physical therapist once. And so every time, every time a situation came up, I needed a record. There was some story about the record not being on site. Oh yeah. And so every time I turned around, I'm like, look, I need to see, you know, the record for, you know, Sally Cucumber. And looks like you got a reimbursement check from Blue Cross Blue Shield. 
you know, on such and such day for, you know, three grand or whatever. And he's like, oh, I think I left that one at home. And so after getting that story, you know, several times, I was like, look, dude, this is starting to look like a pattern. Yep. You take all your client records home. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a, that's, you know. That's the big F, F word, you know, <laughs> looking like a fraud right now. So uh, I the need you WT to. WT in front of <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, so we had to part ways because, you know, he just refused to show the records, you know. They yeah. used to say, show me the money. It's show me the papers. Now. <laughs> yep. I need to see the documents. And he would not produce those documents. And so I just told him, listen, I cannot you know, stay on record as your medical billing consultant because when you get caught, first eyes are going to be laid on me because yep. I'm your consultant. Well, and if he wasn't able to produce them, even when they do the audits, they give you two weeks to give whatever they're missing. Yeah. So if you can't provide what they're missing, then... That's a wrap. Yeah. So we were like three months into our contract, and, you know, I'm still getting stories about records, so... Yeah, just and and then I turned around and wrote a letter to ACA, the Agency for Healthcare Administration, and um, certified mail return receipt, and I just <laughs> told them I was like, "Look, this is the situation. This is what happened. I'm bowing out. Please don't call me." Yeah. <laughs> so I have given this man adequate notice, and it's just not working out. So it wasn't a matter of him breaching the contract, which he also did because he didn't pay me my four grand, but. Um, huh? <laughs> that's right, the contract attorney. What yes, was that? he he breached his contract. <laughs> I may have already passed the um, statute of limitations on that one, but how long ago was it? Uh it was over five years. How okay, many, yeah. it's long gone. Yeah, but it's long gone. we're not going to ever let that happen. Oh, again. that's not going to happen Never. again. Never. <laughs> yeah. We saw Venom last night. You saw Venom? How'd you like it? I loved it. It was the best Marvel Venom. movie I've seen. And like, you say that every time I you am watch your one Venom. of these. I am your Venom. So, so I, I heard it was such a flop that only the cult of cultists could really enjoy it. Well, like, like It's going to go down as the best cult movie because it was so bad. That's fake really? news. It's already made a half a million dollars I, in two weeks. I loved it? it. A half. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> a half a billion. Half a billion. Five, <laughs> they're at 500 million. I think. That's amazing. I think they're at $500 million. No, it was so close to the source material. Spider-Man was completely unnecessary. Amazing. Oh, but Spider-Man had to make a cameo, though. Ah. Uh, it was like... All right, no spoilers. No spoilers. All right, no spoilers. Tater tots and chocolate. That's all you need to know. Potatoes <laughs> and chocolate. <laughs> Some kind of combination. Well, that's. I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're married to the I'm on my period. I need potatoes and chocolate. <laughs> Mixed like, together. Oh. Now. <laughs> if you ever catch me With in a bad name. mood, Facebook, like, or podcast, whoever's listening, potatoes and chocolate. That's all it takes. So I'm an easy woman. <laughs> and ice cream. And ice cream. Ice, ice cream. cream. Yes. Yeah. Preferably hot. Tater glass. tot flavored ice cream. Does uh, that exist? Is that a thing? Uh, ben and ben Jerry. Ben and Jerry. Are you you. Ben and Jerry. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I was out on the uh, the hooch run, but when I <laughs> left, we were talking about amendments. Which oh, so yes. I have some questions about that. Okay. And if you don't know the exact answers, that's okay. And I will let you know. Okay. How long do you have to make an amendment? Like, if you're getting like collection calls, collection calls, like 
before you get to collection calls, you're getting that MA. Um, you still owe $800 to the office. Um, hello, Mr. Stewart. This is, um, so-and-so at Dr. Ostroff's office. Do you have... That's a made-up doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. I've never met Ostroff, so if you are Dr. Ostroff, I apologize. <laughs> we have no idea you existed. Okay, so the short answer to that is I'm not sure. Okay. But if That's you're a law still, school answer. Mm-hmm, so if you're still getting calls from Dr. Ostroff's office, then um, <laughs> my assumption would be that you still have time to submit your request for an amendment to your medical record. It was the ambulance company. Same thing. So... Because that's a good grand to ride to the hospital right there. So um, I'd rather a limo. Oh, it was forty nine hundred dollars <laughs> to go eight blocks in Orlando. What? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, let that be a lesson. If you're injured, just take an Uber. Yeah. Call <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need you to come pick me up at the corner of Michigan and Hoffner. <laughs> you going downtown? Oh wait, those are parallel. So let's say Michigan and Cimarron. Yeah. But anyway, um, you would write your complaint directly to the Office of Civil Rights. Really? OCR, yes. Because you have two options. You can contact the privacy officer because every healthcare facility is supposed to have a, a privacy officer to handle this sort of thing. So if you choose not to do that, you do always have... Do the healthcare have, facilities know that? That they're um, supposed to have one person that handles that? Uh, if they are JCO accredited, uh, they better know it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's a big deal. This, you know, the whole HIPAA implementation was a really big deal when it first started back in 2014. I was in Tallahassee actually um, working through grad school at Florida State, and um, I actually implemented the um, HIPAA privacy program for the hospital, which used to be Tallahassee Community Hospital which is now Capital Regional Medical Center. So we went through a move, um, a brand-new facility built from the ground up, and we moved over, and then we had to, um, you know, get this HIPAA program together through corporate and all that, and I had the lovely pleasure of training the entire hospital staff as well as all the physicians, and they were just thrilled about that. You know, the physicians just love that kind of thing. Did you get paid to do that, or was that some <laughs> sort of grad school? Like? No, I was actually a full-time employee for the hospital. Okay, good. Working in the medical records Great. department. Oh, and you guys so have so much in common. We do, we do. And, <laughs> and so I was the HIPAA privacy coordinator there, and hey, that was my job. We're the... Doctor is really thrilled. I can't oh, that's my go through your sarcasm. Yeah, that, that was okay. complete sarcasm. Doctors was, hate yeah. training, any and all of it. And they don't want you telling them what to do. And so standing there telling them, hey, this is what you have to do now. You have to be sure this, 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 and this. In addition to signing off on all the documents in the patient's record to make sure it's complete. Because, by the way, the medical record is a legal document. A living, breathing legal document? A living, breathing document. The constitution of your soul. Yes. So <laughs> if, the, But it has to be a complete medical record. So once the medical record is complete with all signatures by the physician, it is deemed a legal document admissible to court. Real, Law. Real yes. quick, before the break, who's scarier, physicians or JCO? I would say JCO. Because you can, uh, a physician is replaceable. 
You screw up with Jacob. <laughs> you screw up so with Jacob. I love you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But you screw up with Jacob, you're messing with your contracts. Easy. With Easy. your with your health insurance company. So they like to see that Jaco accreditation, you know, stamp on your paperwork. So if if you are not Jaco accredited, I need you to work on that. There's even, you know, long term care facilities. Everybody needs to be, you know, accredited because insurance companies are looking at that. So I'm your girl for health, for life, and annuities. I'm with the Alpha Omega family, the Alpha Omega Financial Group, and I'm here to help enroll you into Florida Blue Healthcare Plans. Do give me a call, 321-345-6303, or hit me up on the DC Prince Magazine website, which is www. DC Prince Magazine, and we also have a Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram. Hope and nobody's more fashionable. And nobody's more fashionable. By the way, I am wearing Jimmy King here. Jimmy King, I'm I heard your phone call. Yes, I'm wearing Jimmy King, and um, and that picture there came from the American Legion's Project Vet Relief. Project Vet Relief is the main sponsor for DC Prince. That's Prince and I. There and we're on all their promotional um, literature. They have the uh, what do you call those things? The the, the big banner things. I Wait, guess. are you telling me? Like I know Prince very well. Uh, well, I know, but I don't. We talked about Star Trek and cars and. He's I know. Very fast. He is. Like. Yeah, he's yeah. He loves to show off his his swiftness, but um, but vet, Project Vet Relief was there for us when I was on bed rest for seven months and unable to work while I was carrying my child. So they were very, very helpful. And what they do is they provide assistance for veterans who are in crisis. And I was having a crisis with my pregnancy. And so they were very, very helpful. And they've been on board and supporting DC Prince, you know, ever since it was born. So I'm very excited about that. Well, Dominique, thank you for coming. I know you have to go pick up the Prince That's of right. DC Prince. Oh, no, do you? Yes, I oh, do. Oh, we were having so much fun. Well, I thought to bring him. I was thinking to bring him just so he could say hi to everybody, but then he would want to probably tinker with all the equipment. And I was like, well. Well, Prince is going to be time. our next guest. Okay. I mean, you can't come. I, I can't? No, you can't. I cannot? Oh, no, okay. it's just going to be us and Prince. Okay. Well, he's going to want to talk about helicopters. You know that. Absolutely. And all your Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. All automobiles. Mm-hmm. Running. Yeah. But more with the HR Minute and the memo after the break. Thank you again, Dominique. Thanks, de Dominique. De nada. De nada. Gracias. <laughs> A lot of people want to know what the paper clinic is and honestly the paper clinic is a lot of things it's a collaborative space where you can come and bounce ideas off other professionals you can get advice from professionals in the field you can get legal advice insurance advice and you can be the expert you can advise people as to things that you know about but the paper clinic's a lot more than that when the paper clinic works together it becomes a one-stop shop for anybody who wants to start a business. You can walk right in one door of the paper clinic, and you can get your business formed. You can get your business insured. You can get a tax plan. 
you can get marketing, and you can walk right out the other side of the paper clinic with a turnkey business. The Paper Clinic, big firm resources for the small business. Check us out on the web, thepaperclinic.com, or on Facebook at The Paper Clinic. Home, the center of your family, the heart that makes you whole, a simple yet important place where your dreams begin and your love flourishes. Home is not just a place. It is a feeling you get knowing you are welcome. The difference between a house and a home is who you can rely on to keep you safe, giving you a lifetime roofing solution so you never have to worry down the road. You can have the permanent difference, the Hippo Roof Difference. Attention buyers, sellers, and investors of real estate on the Space Coast. Hey there, my name is Jesse Hall, and not only am I a full-time real estate agent with Remax Elite here on the Space Coast, but I also host a fun podcast called the Space Coast Real Estate Show. Now, the Space Coast Real Estate Show is where you're going to be able to hear all the important things that affect your property, whether it's agricultural, industrial, commercial, and especially residential. We're going to talk about all those items that are important to you so that you can make the best decisions regarding your property. We're also going to bring you resources or industry experts. So whether you're looking for a pool, maybe a fence, maybe a roof, we're going to have those people talking to you directly on our show so you get the best insight possible so you're more informed and knowledgeable. Plus, we also have fun. You're going to learn about events here on the Space Coast. We're going to be showing you what's coming maybe down the pipeline that maybe you don't know about. So tune in, find us on Facebook, and especially subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll talk to you soon. Well, there's the X. I guess I'll sign right here. Stop! Did you even read it? No, I usually don't. How many pages is that? Like 20. You could be giving away your firstborn son in that contract. That's a pretty good point. I don't want to do that. Or that's a lease, right? You could be giving your landlord rights to have their uncle, Fat Uncle Joe come and use your coffee maker whenever they want. Uncle Joe's fine, but not Fat Uncle Joe. Yeah, <laughs> not that one. Well, this is a lot of legal information. I don't really know it. Who would, who could I go for this? Well, that's exactly why we have Blake Stewart at Stewart Law. He specializes in business contracts and construction law, and he has negotiated low prices for contract reviews just for cases like this. Check him out on Facebook, Stewart Law CS. Or on the web at stewartlawcs.com. Or give me a call at 321-541-6845. like to thank Dominique Culpepper so much for being our guest today and we did things a little bit differently today but he's back guess who's back who's back the Eminem song I know I got that (laughs) well I didn't want to follow it up with Shady's back and then introduce Alan I didn't say Shady but maybe he's the Eminem of the HR world (laughs) yes maybe (laughs) Um, so, the way we've been doing this so far is that we bring Alan on to talk about 
pertinent HR events, and frequently what we do is we have them comment on to last week's guest. We might not be doing this in the future. We might just be surprising people. <laughs> so last That's how we roll in HR there, Blake. <laughs> it's well, all about the moment. The <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, last week we talked about fashion in the workplace with Deidre. Deirdre? Deidre. Deidre. Yes. Who is, a, of course, my clothier. Is that the way you say that in French? Your custom fitter. Okay. Well, that's not what I said at all, but that's <laughs> fine. And that's actually a true story. Um, none of you have ever seen me in any of those clothes, but I do wear them when I go into court. And now we've got Alan to talk about how dress code and fashion can affect your corporate workplace. Yes. Yes. Well, it's all about culture. We've talked about culture before, and I think that any company will have to decide what they want to be when they grow up in a way. So what's their culture? Do they allow flip-flops, and is that a safety violation or is that or a safety issue, I should say, or is it more of a, I like to wear flip-flops and bare feet, and I'm Steve Jobs wannabe, and this is how it's going to be, and then you have to worry about what if somebody does get hurt, even in a safe office environment like this? We're moving filing cabinets, cubicles. We're getting ready for the uh, networking event tomorrow. And somebody, so you, these are the things that we always want to consider when we think about something that could be considered as simple as a dress code. I mean, come in professional or what does that mean? We have to define it. You said everything about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, every major corporation handles that. Oh, you want to wear jeans once or twice a year? I work for very conservative right. companies. We get two days a year in jeans, and it's always wear closed toed shoes because mm-hmm. you're cleaning or moving. What about the effect that your dress has on your professionalism, your perception? Mm. That is a very interesting discussion because it becomes very subjective from mainly leaders down to um, we, we like to think of ourselves as baby boomers versus millennials and I don't know that that's really the way... Do you consider you, yourself to be a baby boomer? As a good human resources professional, I would not like to get into any type of age <laughs> discussion. <laughs> that's a violation. <laughs> right. right. I, 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 so when we think about what that means, though, in a, in a workplace, so I wear, I'm wearing a white shirt and black pants and a collar, and that's typically how I dress. Blake, you typically, I've seen you mostly in T-shirts or more on the casual side. Well, you do, but my clients only see me in button-downs. Perfect, right? And so, but how do you know a client won't come in today? I don't, and they did. (laughs) And they were dressed much nicer than me. And that happened today, so let's talk about that. Okay, so that's why we have dress codes. That's why we have policies about how we dress. Are we going to see clients or not see clients? What's the comfort level? Who really decides what's appropriate, which I think goes all the way back to what do you want to set up as your culture? Who is the CEO of Paper Clinic, and what does that CEO say is going to be the dress code? Do we think that dress is going to impact productivity? That is a discussion for today if we want, or many discussions over time. And Let's make that today's discussion. Okay. It was so, a discussion, too, when we created it. So, so how about if I just give you a, a quote to work off of? All right. My opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion. I think that dress code affects productivity, but dress code also affects sales. And if and I'm going to qualify that, and I'm going to shut up. 
Um, if I dress like this, mm-hmm. I am way more productive when I have stuff to, to hammer out. Like if I have deliverables due and I know that I'm coming into work and I'm just going to just hammer some stuff out, motions, complaints, responses, whatever I have to do. Like if I'm like, I want to be comfortable. And unfortunately, like, even though you look amazing like that, like I don't, it's, it, there's self, there's a self-esteem mm-hmm. issue. Like this is how I feel comfortable when I'm working hard. If you want me to work hard, this is how I have to look. If I'm meeting a client, I want to look like you. I rarely do. Right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And and I will tell you that I dress this way for the same reason. I feel more productive when I wear slacks and a button down or some type of of dress shirt. And I know plenty of people that feel just the opposite. They feel constricted when they wear something. And they would actually seek out opportunities, jobs that would allow them to dress more more appropriately for how they feel. But let's go back to this this client came in today and they were more overdressed. They were more they were overdressed or more dressed up than you. I forget exactly how you worded it. He was he was right. uh, better dressed than I was. Okay. Now, take yourself out of it for a second and let's say one of your employees that happened. Would you be annoyed, disappointed, don't care? You just want the job done? That's before you even answer that. That's what I mean by culture. That's what I mean about the leader of the business. So as the CEO of Paper Clinic, you have to decide how and think about it all the way through. How would I feel if a client came in and met with my employee and they were dressed in a certain way? And you can define that openly. And then think about what if they got the deal? Would I still care how they were dressed? What if they didn't get the deal? Would I still care how they were dressed? Then you have to think about what's the follow-on to that. Do I want to create an environment where everyone dresses a certain way or in at least some type of style that makes me more comfortable for the environment I'm trying to create. That's how we develop policies, in this case about dress code, but even in some of these more subjective areas. I want to give a case study. (laughs) I have one. So I have a case study as a medical manager. So most people wore scrubs. And then a lot of the girls, especially in the reception area, they're like, hey, you don't need to wear scrubs. We're not drawing blood. We're not taking patients back. Why can't we wear business casual like you do? And I'm like, great insight. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. So I said, every Friday, let's do business casual. And it wasn't many Fridays down the road that, you know, their business casual started becoming a little bit more mm-hmm. funky, fresh, bar casual. <laughs> you know, like, as, right. you know, maybe, maybe there was like, a quarter of a centimeter of their skin showing between their top and their bottoms and it was like well so where do i draw the line right and where do where do i say like this is loud and you know people who know me in my life i i, I do walk the line on you know what is business appropriate sometimes you mm-hmm. know most people think that i look really stand up but then more conservatively i think i wore a bandeau top with my t-shirt yesterday to a brunch and Blake's like your bra's showing and I'm like it's a bandeau it's meant to be like that mm-hmm. you know but for older generations they're like oh, that's a bra that's not a mm-hmm. bandeau top like you need to cover that up so it's like kind of where do you draw the line and then I also hinted at it too at your talk last time I had a preference for nose rings right so all of my employees with and I didn't have a nose ring at the time were those yeah. the only rings you had a preference for Shh. 
but they all had nose rings. All my employees had nose rings because I, I saw through them for, you know, right. who they were. But that's because I had a nose ring in high school yeah. and college and I got rid of it, you know, to, to be more professional mm-hmm. for the bu- entering into the business sector. Right. So, like, it's, you know, so maybe you have those standards, but what if they change mm-hmm. once you finally see that, like, maybe one of Blake's staff members fail on a sale and Blake's like, it's because you wore a T-shirt, not right. a button-up. right. Right. And many times the policies are created as an offshoot of an issue, right? When somebody, maybe maybe this client, if we pick specifically on this, on this thing with Blake that we're talking about, somebody, this client complains, I didn't do business with you and it's because I didn't like the way you were dressed. Well, do you care or not, right? If you care and you want to make it to a point where you create a dress code, then you do so. Or you might say, well, that's how we are. And if you don't want to do business with me because of how I'm dressed, then probably you shouldn't do business with me. Some people will take that stance. Some will not. It's, it's really, I can't overstate the importance of culture and, and subjectivity and how you're trying to, what, what image you're trying to portray. Gotcha. I think a big one, too, that's inserting in is hair color. Right. You know, in, back in the 90s and 2000s, it was only Bleach. natural. Bleach tips. Only what are you talking t- about? No, I remember in, in public school, it was, you could only have natural looking hair. So no pinks, no purples. Mm-hmm. I almost <laughs> didn't get to walk in my high school graduation because I had purple hair. That was the school color. <laughs> so it wasn't like it was anything crazy. I dyed it for mm-hmm. the school and they didn't like it. But, you know, so, but now in the workplace, like I, I mediate at the courthouse and there's people who have bright pink strands We've loosened in up a bit on things like that. Even clothes, we've loosened up quite a bit. But have we? I mean, you walk in, I, I understand that lawyers, Blake, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go to court, you're supposed to wear a, a suit and tie. Or at least a tie. For if you're in front judges. of a judge, I are mean. Are you asking me for my personal opinion? <laughs> are you asking me for what I do? Or are no. you asking me for what I think? I thought it was a rule that lawyers, attorneys, are supposed to present in front of a judge with a tie. So I think I would like to bring it back to your original statement. It depends on the culture. Because I have been, when I was a Miami Beach criminal defense attorney, I took a case up in Volusia County and appeared in front of a judge in a just dark, dark black suit. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think my belt was $200. Uh-huh. No tie, no socks. Second button optional? Second button optional, <laughs> which, which, you know, you're first button guy. You're yeah, first button I'm guy. first button guy. <clears throat> Even though you own your own business, so, you know. Second button. <laughs> I'm working on second that. Second button optional. You know I am. You're a little cocky. I wore a purple shirt the other day. You did. So I'm we getting all, a little crazy. We all appreciated it. Thank you. That is crazy. But <laughs> I walked in front of my favorite judge in Volusia County. He said, Mr. Stewart, you seem to be missing your tie today. Because he was... <laughs> From the islands. Okay. I mean, he'd been living here for 30 years, uh-huh. but he was from the islands. Uh, judge, I, uh, I'm actually from Miami Beach. I only practice in Miami Beach, and you're my favorite judge up here. I've been in front of you twice, but, you know, I don't, you know, we don't wear ties in Miami. Mr. Stewart, you're not in Miami. And I had to borrow a tie mm-hmm. from another attorney that had an extra one in case something bad happened to his. So that's a Thai culture. That's a Thai culture. That is such a Thai culture that they are concerned about spilling or destroying or hurting. Right. And they have backups, which I got to take the benefit of. I recently stopped wearing socks as well, and I don't want to advertise another attorney, but it's a handsome older gentleman that 
has a lot of power, so you know, handsome. in this uh, year. <laughs> Sorry. That has a lot of power in this <laughs> county. And he's very well known, and he just doesn't wear socks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people snigger about it. And the moment my wife saw it, she was like, oh, you shouldn't just stop wearing socks. So I have this vision of my cousin Vinny going on right now with ha- with showing up in court with his, um, cl- his Fair funny assessment. suit. Yeah. Fair assessment. Yeah. Okay. Well, so th- there was a culture. I, I just... I'm with you on that. I didn't realize that it was a culture thing. I thought it was a rule. I thought it was like a countywide rule or something where... It's changing because just last it week... It was. It was. Just last week, I yelled changing. at him. He went to court and he didn't have a tie. I'm like, you need a tie. Get a tie. Right. He's like, no, no, no. I know the judge. Mm-hmm. I don't need a tie. He didn't go with a tie. Even the backup tie that I tried to stow in his mm-hmm. briefcase. And it turned out fine. And he actually he won his motion. But I was appalled. I was like, what? Like, I knew one judge had given him the okay. Like, you never have to wear a tie when you're in front of me. But The opposing party made fun of me about not having socks on. Mm-hmm. I won. Now, so we go back to culture. I'll tell you, I, I counsel or coach um, hiring managers when they do interviews. They want to know, should I dress up for the interview? This is hiring managers, right? Not candidates who always wear – we should always wear a suit as a candidate. But hiring managers and my counsel is don't wear anything dirty, right? Don't come in ripped jeans. But if your culture in the organization is T-shirt and jeans or golf shirt, I think that's what you should wear as an interviewer because you want to set the right tone all the way through. Don't be somebody you're not. And even to this day, I mean, some managers will still dress up a little bit for the interview because they want to have a good front showing. And that's perfectly okay. But that's where I keep coming back to culture and what's the norm as a small business owner, you get to run your culture. You can build what you want to build. And I think that's the biggest key is, is what are you trying to portray? This is me. This is my image. I wear a collar and slacks. This is your image, and that's perfectly okay. Vanna, are we going to break? That's a perfect break. I have so many things I want to ask you when we get back. Okay. I can't wait. Me too. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon. Jesse, have you ever wondered, what is the best way to interview applicants for your open position so you have the best chance of hiring a keeper? All the time. Well, I talk to managers every day, Jesse, that use their gut instinct to make a hire. Sometimes that works out, but more times than not, it can lead to a bad hire. Replacing a poor hire can be expensive and hurt morale. One of our most popular service offerings at HR Office Savers is teaching employers how to be better interviewers. Improved interviewing techniques lead to better hiring which leads to better employee retention, which leads to less turnover and more profit. Contact me today to find out how you can learn to be a better interviewer. I can be reached online at www.hrofficesavers.com or by phone 928-308-4506. Again, that's 928-308-4506. A lot of people want to know what the paper clinic is. And honestly, the paper clinic is a lot of things. 
It's a collaborative space where you can come and bounce ideas off other professionals. You can get advice from professionals in the field. You can get legal advice, insurance advice, and you can be the expert. You can advise people as to things that you know about. But the paper clinic's a lot more than that. When the paper clinic works together, it becomes a one-stop shop for anybody who wants to start a business. You can walk right in one door of the paper clinic, and you can get your business formed. You can get your business insured. You can get a tax plan. You can get marketing. And you can walk right out the other side of the paper clinic with a turnkey business. The Paper Clinic. Big firm resources for the small business. Check us out on the web, thepaperclinic.com, or on Facebook at The Paper Clinic. Well, there's the X. I guess I'll sign right here. Stop! Did you even read it? No, I usually don't. How many pages is that? Like 20. You could be giving away your firstborn son in that contract. That's a pretty good point. I don't want to do that. Or that's a lease, right? You could be giving your landlord rights to have their uncle, Fat Uncle Joe come and use your coffee maker whenever they want. Uncle Joe's fine, but not Fat Uncle Joe. Yeah, not that one. Well, this is a lot of legal information. I don't really know it. Who would, Who could I go for this? Well, that's exactly why we have Blake Stewart at Stewart Law. He specializes in business contracts and construction law, and he has negotiated low prices for contract reviews just for cases like this. Check him out on Facebook, Stewart Law CS. Or on the web at stewartlawcs.com. Or give me a call at 321-541-6845. Listening to the memo with Blake and Desiree, and Alan is here with an extended segment of the HR Minute. What time is 18 now? <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> I think that's just because we can't get enough of Alan. Well, it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed the discussion, and it, it, it hopefully, with the people that are listening, they can take some of this with them and continue to build their business up too. And, and kind of circle back around it. So, the paper clinic does have a handbook. And we do have a dress code mm-hmm. policy. And a lot of thought went into it, whether Blake here thinks so or not. I, I don't adhere to it. I don't. <laughs> no, you do. Uh, you know, that's mm. another discussion, right? I'm if you have a too. handbook and the CEO or the, or the leadership doesn't adhere to it. I'm you, not the leadership. I'm just a legal monkey. <laughs> well, all right. So let's even take how far we want to. All right. So let's say one of your members doesn't follow and there's no disciplinary action with that member. It allows other members to believe it's okay to not follow, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's something you want to be careful about, too. These handbooks are very helpful. And then when yeah. you get violations, what do you do with it? And maybe it's okay. That's, again, culture, right? How do you want to create this? Where do you want it to go? I, I want to believe I focus a lot more on hygiene. It's like you could wear your mm-hmm. jeans and your T-shirt, but like maybe not be right after the gym and just put in your six-hour session at the office smelling like you know a locker room i thought your handbook was exactly what you needed for this for the business that you're running and it's certainly something that you can continue to work on over time exactly because one big concern was you know we have some high dollar clients Mm -hmm. it's like you know what if we bring you know our million dollar client through the door Mm -hmm. and then somebody is you know looking like shaggy from scooby-doo oops like what would you do (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> Just Captain America? Captain America cufflinks. Very nice. Because even when I have to dress up, I want my personality to show through. Right. There you go. And so, that's all right. So what if what if you brought oh this is good. So what if you brought your client in, right, and you have your policy, and let's say somebody else was sitting in one of the open cubes, one of your members, in a t shirt and shorts or t shirt and jeans, and your client you didn't feel as if your client had the right um, observation of what your office is. How, and you don't. this is something we'd want to talk about is how do you react to that and what do you do with that and how does that reflect on the code of conduct and the policy manual and uh, more specifically the dress code. And, right? It's one thing to have the actual business owner because they're self-managed, they own the business. But what if somebody else created a bad persona image. of what you're, or an image of what you're trying to create? Then yeah, that's the real trick. And it's hard to pin down, like you mm-hmm. know, and and the day to day differs too with each client. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things right. that you have to think about and you have to kind of be prepared mm-hmm. for. But are you willing to lose a big deal because of that? That's right. So you have to mm-hmm. kind of draw your line in the mm-hmm. sand. And if you go back to your example with the scrubs and the business casual, and where do you draw the line? I mean, one centimeter becomes five centimeters becomes and. That's why you have rules, and that's why you need to enforce the rules and do your best to continue to follow through with that. Yes. So if any of you guys are trying to establish your workplace culture and you don't know what questions to ask or what clients might be coming through your door, it's definitely a good Q&A with Alan here. Thank you. To kind of figure out where you're going to draw that line. Can I try, like, a really aggressive Tony Robbins version of that? Of course. (laughs) If you're balling and you're expanding aggressively and you're hiring people, talk to Alan. Well, like that. Yeah. Because you will find yourself in trouble really fast if you don't. Even tattoos is a big thing right now, too. Tattoos are a big thing. We talked about that at the the, uh, twerking. That's right. www.hroffice.savers.com. Official. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's Saved always good conversation. Office. There's so many different things. We even this, we can keep talking. We have so many topics, even for just dress code. What does that mean? How does it apply? Does it, how do you want to deal with it? Where's the next step? And Jesse, you said you had an example too. Well, I, I was going to go. Uh, you know, I I had my first experience with wardrobe compliance going to private school, mm-hmm. and we were scrutinized by the brothers and the uh the nuns who ran the school so of course you know going by you know the shirt the uh skirt length you know uh, two fingers above the knee was okay but you know if you could make a fist and 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 the the, the bottom of the skirt wouldn't meet the fist at, to the bo- bottom uh to the top of the knee then that was detention that was i mean you 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 suffered you know whatever consequence uh per policy and you know th- same thing with the loafers same thing with the belts you know tucked in shirts so i grew up and in, in that environment, both in middle school and high school, with a uniform uh, policy. And, you know, when we do have our dress down days, of course, we all went to, you know, just <laughs> we all went glam and uh, really showed off our wardrobe. But it was uh, but it kept everybody respectable. It mm-hmm. kept everybody respectful. Uh, of course, some girls, you know, try to keep all the, the, the top of the, the, the buttons uh, they were like on the blouse. They were like button optional. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they got a little flagrant. They would buy a, a blouse a little bit too big just so, you know, that bottom button just got enough of a shot of the cleavage. Uh, and we love those girls. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, you certainly you see the respect. You, everybody respects each other. Of course, that's especially in, in adolescence. When you take out that 
part of the culture of a teenage life, which is a lot has to do a lot with clothing and, mm-hmm. and people judge you the on visual, it yeah. and, and stuff like that. So when you take that art, uh, that 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 little bit of uh, you know people's independence uh, away, and everybody can focus just on learning and academics, then you're going to see. I, I thought you know we, we saw a great improvement because mm-hmm. we weren't distracted. We weren't walking by the hallway and looking at you know someone with a mohawk and a punk rock shirt all in torn jeans. We didn't look at the girl with a very distracting short skirt or you know in, and so forth. And you know so it just kept everybody um, respectful of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, there was always a so, a social times where we could dress down and show off our personality. And there was those times. And going back to culture, uh, I think. And it's my opinion, but I think dressing well serves everybody, including the customer experience. Think of the biggest retailer, Walmart. They have everybody, like the dress code is, is, a, is a vest. Like you dress whatever you want, put on a blue vest, and you go to work. But look at the culture. The, the people are miserable there. They have no respect for themselves. You know, they're not wearing nice stuff underneath that vest. And what's the experience? What's the experience? And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling out the, the biggest re- retailer. But... <laughs> You I mean, could have just said blue light. And so, a lot of people right. don't know this, but Jesse was actually the backup singer for Angus on that tour where he <laughs> lost his voice in 2003. Yes. So anyway, that, so that's my experience with, with what I've seen in, in, in my world. And, of course, when you do dress up for the, for the, the, the business that you want, yeah. No, I mean that's all. That's what I've learned. A lot of really good uh, sales professional uh, workshops, and even some really big. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Not not an expo, but a convention. You know, like a really big convention, and everybody's looking, sh- you know, sharp. Everybody's looking their best, and it just it just brings out, just raises a level of success. Everybody, you know, wants to try harder. Everybody wants to give more. It, it I think dressing is is crucial, and mm-hmm. uh, and and is only after you've been in an environment where people demand the best of you, will you give your best performance. And, again, it starts with the way you dress and the way you get up in the morning and your attitude. When you, and that reflects on the outside, then people people just, they, you know, you, you become more of an authority. People listen to you. They take you more seriously. I think it goes different. You know, not to humble brag, but right. I did graduate valedictorian and, and class president. I almost didn't walk because of purple hair, nose ring, short you know, s- shirts, mini skirts. No, I was not hey, a god. I don't just care kidding. what I was. Be you, just, you just described like I was just like the hot nerd, but the it got me nerd. in a lot of trouble. Right. But no matter know, how good your performance was, they were hassling you over your appearance. Always. I had to go to the dean's office just to make sure I had my nose ring out. Wow. And so it was, but, you know, but that's like kind of like the Steve Jobs thing. Like mm-hmm. you could wear, get away with wearing your flip flops and whatever you want. You're still going to get those million you know billion dollar clients but so it's like you know does your skill exceed how you look Mm -hmm. that's the real thing and why you need a good hr guy to kind of (laughs) tell you where that line is and where you need to draw it for the rest of your culture and your workplace yeah yeah is that where you were going with that because i i thought you were going with he was so skilled and talented that he could dress however he wanted I think everybody has their own benchmark, and you need to have a guy who will ask those hard questions like that. Yeah, but that. I'll take that too, Blake. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Give, give him that win. Give him it. I think I'm going to hire Alan to tell Dietra how I have to dress. Maybe. That might be a good idea. I can't tell you. <laughs> but oh, what's a good idea? <laughs> I'm wearing an Enterprise shirt today, by the way. 
to wrap up those segments, definitely comment or tune in or call us next time if you have more questions about this topic. We have a few things coming up. We have Twerk on Tuesday coming November 13th. Blake is talking about contracts. I am. And Vanna here, Vanna here, here is talking about Vanna podcasts. White? Vanna White. So you don't want to miss those. So we, I day. got three of the spotlight speakers of all of our twerk on Tuesdays. It's exhilarating here. <laughs> and by the way, like uh, Alan's going to be involved because I'm going to be getting, I'm going to be hiring him to tell Deidre what I'm going to wear. Yes, Alan's going to dress Blake with Deidre's help. And then. Phrasing. <laughs> uh, mm, Phrasing. <laughs> And then we have the Harvest Festival. So I will never run out of work. Are, oh, Vanna's getting mad that I'm taking his job. But <laughs> so we have the Scarecrow Stroll. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's crystal clear. <laughs> Everything is happening this Saturday, October 20th, including the Harvest Festival. Come vote for Josh the Otter Scarecrow, which via Rotary and Blake and myself built and together. Diane and Diane Pisicano. Diane and Mike Pisicano. And then also with Mike Pizzicano, Julie, the great taste, Jenny, Jenny Lucas was there as well. So it was all of your Rotary, um, building Josh the Otter. It was all of your Rotary. Yes, so come vote for them. But there are Unos. There's pizza there. So if you mm, like yeah. pizza, vote for Josh. Very good. But the twentieth will be a busy day. Come see us. We'll also be at. Rocky Water Brewfest, drinking lots of beer. We're um, also going to be handling a golf for Boy Scouts, hole. Space Coast Boy Scouts. Yes, we're going to be managing a hole and handing out some beer, and then so I'm going to be hanging out with Larry Smith, we're, we're possibly gonna, Da Vinci. We're going to be handing out beer at Space Coast Boy Scouts, and then we're going to go to the Brewfest in a yes. galley for all unlimited beer. No. And then, no, I think the Brewfest is first, and then no. we're going to be. No. Oh man. Eight thirty is Space Coast Boy Scouts. <laughs> One to four is um, Rocky Water, and then. From 5.30 to 8.30 is going to be Great Taste of Century with more drinking. So, Jeez, better Uber. <laughs> that is really interesting. Uber, send me a code. I'm looking at you. We're very <laughs> excited to have Alan and his wife at all of those events to see how they cope with it <laughs> and to keep us corporate. But Mon- anyways. The whole monitor. <laughs> That's not even true. I just put him on the spot. <laughs> well, thank you, Alan, for tuning in for another it. great HR Minute. Fun, thank you. That was like that was like an HR like twenty six minutes. Yeah, it was great. Which was tremendous. (laughs) I loved every minute of it. I'm the Um, worst dressed guy in the paper clinic, except for Austin. So Dennis says that (laughs) Alan is the greatest HR guy out there. Dennis, and then and then George Gonzalez is saying your skills should always stand out more than your dress apparel. Oh, I've got a fan. You do. Ooh, interesting. Well, thank you, George. Next Monday. Lost Garage. At the memo. Thank you for tuning in. Blake Desiree Stewart with Alan HR Minute. Thank you, guys. The HR 23 minutes. 23 minutes. It's getting out of of hand. Space Ghost Podcast. Space Ghost Podcast Studios. See ya. Bye. Thanks, guys. Mm